Good morning, church. Good morning, online church. Good to see you guys. Well, actually, you see me. I don't see you, but I see you. I make that mistake all the time, don't I? It's great, great, great to see you guys. It's good to have you here. I do love the warmth. I'm really glad that the snow is gone, right? When it snowed and then the next day this Chinook wind came and Chris immediately texted me. He said, this is the way it's supposed to be. So It's like it took five years. All right, finally. I don't know about you, but when I was a, a teenager, uh, I was kind of rebellious. Anybody here? No? Okay, just me. I know. I, I'm willing to own it. Uh, and I, you know, I grew up in a, in a family that was fairly chauvinistic, quite honestly, an Italian family. Uh, the guys did all the work outside, and the, the women, all two of them, had to do all the work inside, you know. And, uh, and my mom would always complain that we don't vacuum enough, we don't do the dishes enough, we don't do, you know. She would always complain. And I remember one morning, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I remember waking up. And saying to myself, you know, I'm going to make my mom happy. I'm going to go downstairs, I'm going to eat breakfast, and right after breakfast, I'm going to vacuum the whole house for her. And it's going to be awesome. I'm so, I was like really psyched. I'm like, I really wanted to do this for my mom. I noticed, I know she worked hard. I know this was hard for her. I'm like, I can't wait to do this. And I remember, uh, you know, getting dressed, making my way downstairs. As I'm making my way downstairs, halfway down the steps, my mom is at the bottom of the steps. Her hand to her side. You are not going anyway, anywhere until you vacuum the house. You understand? It was at the precise moment that I said, no way. <laughs> There's no way I'm doing that now. All of a sudden, this desire to, to do something for my mom turned into something like, no, no, you're not going to tell me what to do kind of a thing. Anybody ever had this moment uh, in their lives, or is it just me? <laughs> Suddenly I get non-compliant. I went from heart desire to burdensome duty, and I didn't want anything to do with it. Our first text this morning is found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, and it says this, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are what? Not burdensome. Well, what does that mean? I, I don't understand that. Why is it that I have such a hard time understanding this? Why do the words command and commandment cause us to have this natural aversion to being told to what, to, what to do? Whenever we, see, we hear these words, we kind of feel like, yeah, this is where all of a sudden we say, you know, we're saved by grace, not by, not by the law, so let's not worry about the law. And, and we just kind of, and it's, that's not necessarily incorrect. I'm just saying we, we begin to come up with all these excuses and all these feelings of like, no, I'm just not, I'm not going to do it because I have to. And that's not going to happen. This aversion has been ingrained in us and in cats also, obviously, since the fall, Right? This has been going on for a long, long time. But before the fall, before any notes of discord were played, before Lucifer diffused the spirit of discontentment, angels never thought of the law of God as commands. They always thought about them as the reflection 
of God's character, principles that reflected who he was and what heaven was all about. And the lie of the God of regulations and constraints was repeated in the garden. Does God say you cannot eat of any of the trees? No, no, yeah, I can eat of the trees. I just can't eat of this one tree. Remember that story? This, this lie has been echoed all throughout and was repeated again and again, echoed through the ages until today. We still think of God as this, this exacting God. And, w- and when we hear the words commands or commandments, we, 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 there's something in us. I've been reading a book called Battlegrounds by H.R. McMaster, who was the United States National Security Advisor from 2017 to 2018. It's a really, really good book. In it, it talks about something called the big lie. It was a term coined in Nazi Germany. Joseph Goebbels, Reich Minister of the Propaganda of Nazi Germany, once said, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. I think Satan has done a pretty good job with this lie. Huh? God has never been and will never be a God of of restriction. He has always been a God of freedom. In fact, if you think about what happened with the commandments, I want you to think back. The commandments are written in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy, I believe, 5. And they both start this way. And I don't, want you, I don't want you to miss this because we always, I've had conversations, for example, with uh, 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 pastors of other denominations who will say, you know, the law has been nailed to the cross and, and the law will, will, will uh, uh, destroy grace. And, 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 and it's, it was the law first and then came grace. And I always say, no, no, grace was first and then the law. And in fact, when you look at it in this chapter, you see it immediately. See if you can follow me with, with me. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, goes like this. And by the way, today I'm mostly reading from the New Living Translation, just because I like to read different translations. Um, but you follow in your own Bibles. This is pretty amazing. It says, then God gave the people all these instructions. This is about ready, about, he's about ready to give the commandments. And then he says, this is how he starts it. Ready? I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. You get that? So the very first thing before he gives the commandments is, hey, let me me just tell you, I'm the one who's rescued you from sin. I'm the one who's rescued you from Egypt. I'm the one who's rescued you from slavery. I'm the one who's given you freedom. You have freedom first, grace first. And now that I've given you that, I'm going to share with you something so powerful that will help you live your life fully. Are you getting this picture? And we miss this. We miss this. We go immediately to to the commandments. But God says grace first, freedom first, salvation first, and then a revelation of the universal laws, an appeal to covenant with him forever. As if he was saying, hey, get used to heaven now. Because heaven has these natural laws. You, you understand natural laws, right? Gravity, right? If I jump, I'm not going to jump too high. It's called gravity. 
If I somehow make it to the top of the roof and jump, I will splatter on the ground. It's called gravity. It's not like, I mean, I don't like it. Do you like it? I, I don't like it. I mean, I mean, I'm glad that there is gravity because there would be other kinds of problems, right? But, but sometimes gravity can be a problem. But it is a law. It's not like, it, it is what it is. You, can, you don't have to like it. It's just the way it is. And I believe the commandments are like that. This, God is saying these are the natural laws of the universe and heaven to live a happy, fulfilled life. In fact, let's go back one chapter for a moment. Exodus 19 reveals three vital truths before the covenant was proposed. Exodus chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 3 through 6. See if you can follow along with me here. It says, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. In other words, God is saying, Look, before you do anything, I want to remind you of my love for you, how you are the apple of my eye and I have protected you. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. I want to remind you of the victories that I have won for you. And then he says, now if you will obey me and keep my commands, or my covenant rather, you will be my own special treasure from among all the people on earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. So in other words, it was God's love for them, the victories he's won for them, and the future that he had planned for them. Isn't that awesome? And this is the message you must give to the people. So first he reminds them of those things, and then he gives them the message what we call the Ten Commandments. God's love for you, the victories he's won for you, the future he has planned for you. And then it says the people prepared themselves. They fasted. They prayed. And then it happened. This is what God does when he's trying to make a point. This is when it gets pretty intense. In Exodus chapter 19, 16 through 19, it says this. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed. Talk about special effects, huh? And a dense cloud came down on the mountain, and there was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. And the smoke billowed in the sky like smoke from a birch kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. And the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, and louder, and Moses spoke, and God thundered in reply. Are you catching this? Moses speaks, and God 
thunders in reply. I don't know about you, but I think I would have been on my knees at that point. Forget about just taking off the shoes. I mean, I would have just taken off my feet, everything. Just let me get on my knees right now because this is intense. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this with God. When you've experienced his presence. I've had moments, nowhere near as intense as this, but moments where I knew God was present. Moments that just brought me to tears, just bawling. I didn't really fully know why. I just knew that I was in the presence of God and I'm just crying. It wasn't fear, it was respect, it was awe. It was knowing that I had this privilege that God would actually do this for me. Why? And then he takes out his finger. And as he says these words, he's writing these. Now, if God's writing with his finger, this is important. I don't know, maybe. When you think so? So let me read to you Exodus chapter 20. 1 through 17. I'm actually going to read to you all the Ten Commandments. Is that okay with you? Too bad if it isn't, but I I'm just want you to know <laughs> that I'm going to do that. So then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your males and your female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and your mother, and then you will live a long life full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. 
male or female servant, ox or donkey. Anybody covet your neighbor's donkey lately? Or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. I think he's making his point, don't you? Now, uh, I was speaking to Pastor Fred and Pastor Larissa. We're going to do a whole series just on the Ten Commandments one day soon. So I won't get into all of these and what they mean because there's just not enough time. I, it would really take me one sermon for each commandment, wouldn't you say? At least. So, so I, I just want to basically talk about why God gave us these commandments, what they do for us. God did not give these to control us. They were given to protect us. They were given the, the, to, to, to fulfill us. The law cannot save us. Only grace saves us. You, you believe that, right? I think I've made it pretty clear in the five years that I've been here. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 says it this way. So it is clear. It is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Is that clear? Well, then why are you giving us commandments? It is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says it is through what? Faith that a righteous person has life. In fact, Paul calls it a mirror. Have you ever, have you ever heard that? I mean, not Paul, rather, excuse me, James calls it a mirror. And it's in James chapter 1. Uh, I've asked Daryl if he happened to have a dentist mirror with him. Have you seen one of these? Anybody feeling a little nauseous right now? <laughs> this is not the drill. This is just the mirror. Right? So a dentist would use this mirror only as a diagnostic tool. That's it. Right? I better not move too much because I told the crew to zero in on the mirror. So they put it in your mouth and, 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 and they're looking to see what's important, what's there, what's, do, do we have any cavities or anything. But the mirror doesn't fix it, does it? So the, the law is just like this mirror. It shows what our problems are. But only grace and faith and ultimately Jesus Christ can fix the problems. Are you getting this? You read it. He's the great dentist, isn't he? The great physician, the Bible calls him. So God's covenant with us, these Ten Commandments, they are an extension of God's grace. They're there to tell us, hey, look, look, now that I've saved you, now that you have this saving relationship with me, now that we're together, if you keep these, you're going to feel the happiest. You're going, to be, you're going to be the strongest. You're going to experience the most. These are principles for better freedom. Some of you are musicians, and you may know exactly what I when, I... when I started playing the drums, until this day, I still play by ear. I play by ear. That that's, means that I, I, I don't play with my ear. I mean, I play by ear, meaning that I, I, I listen to music and I can just go... I've been doing it for, for all my life. In fact... Uh, my friend and I, we have this joke. I can teach anybody anything except for playing the drums. Because I don't know why I do what I do. I don't know why my hands move this way and my feet move this way. I have no idea what's going on there. It just happens. Right? Where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. 
Now, I took two years at the Westchester Conservatory of Music. And I'll be honest with you, I hated it. Because I was a teenager. And I did not like learning the rules. But later on, as I began to compose music, all of a sudden I began to realize that those rules gave me freedom to express myself way more than I could have ever expressed without knowing those. You understand what I'm saying? Anybody a musician, do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Once you know some of those rules and laws, you can break them, but you need to know them. You need to understand them. You need to be able to say, okay, how do these work? And they suddenly open up this whole new horizon for you to, to do music like you've never had before. The second thing that the laws do is they guarantee protection for us. Harold was 93 years old, but he insisted that he could drive a car just as well as, a, as he could when he was 39 years old. So he gets in his car and he's driving and he's traveling down Interstate 5 when his cell phone rings. And so he picks up his cell phone. He answers his phone. It was his wife. And she has this urgent warning for, her, for him. He says, Harold, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on Interstate 5. At which he says, oh no, honey, it's not one car. It's like hundreds of cars going the wrong way on Interstate 5. Now, what's the point of that story? Hey, here's the point. Without those regulations, we would all get into accidents all the time, right? It is, I mean, look, I'll be the first to admit, I speed. I know. But, but if, I, if I'm not careful, it's not just about a ticket. It's about, it's about getting into an accident. It's about not only getting hurt, but maybe hurting somebody else. So I'm thankful that we have laws that protect us. There are also codes for safety. Codes for that, 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 that uh, you know, when Brianna was little, I, I, I we would have some rules. For example, brush your teeth. Not because we wanted the controller, but because we didn't want our teeth to fall out. That makes sense? Uh, another rule we had was don't share gum with people. Nancy reminded me she came home one day, she had a, a, a piece of gum. We, we, we normally never gave her gum, so Nancy's like, where'd you get the gum from? She's like, well, I got it from so-and-so. What? Well, she was chewing it, and then she was done, and so she gave it to me, and I'm chewing it now. But don't worry, Mom, she's a Christian. Hello. So we had this rule, don't share gum with others, even if they're Christians. Wear warm clothes outside, even if it snows. Some of my favorite pictures of, of Brianna when she was little, all bundled up, you know, hardly able to move. You know, things like hold hands and look both ways when you cross. Don't accept candy from strangers. Don't, don't, don't talk to strangers. Why do we have these? To control them? No, but to protect them. I, I, I texted Brianna last night and said, what were some of the rules that we had for you? And she said, I don't know, Dad. LOL. <laughs> what do you mean, 
mean? You don't know. All your life you complained about the rules we had for you. What were some of the rules? She says, I can't think of any rules. You know, you guys were not like that. Glad, I'm glad she's got dad's memory, really. This morning, she texted me. Uh, and, you know, we, we often text each other. Uh, and I said, hey, pray for dad uh, for my sermon. She goes, okay, dad, I'm sorry I, I, I couldn't think of any rules. And then she said, I guess you told me never to play with knives. <laughs> this is the one she remembers. Really? And then finally, the Ten Commandments give us directions for more satisfying performance, more satisfying life. Some years ago, uh, we went and spent Christmas in New York and uh, spent the time with my sister. She had uh, purchased something called the gazelle by Tony Little. This is an instrument of torture. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's supposed to be exercise. Um, I was there. My brother Luciano was there. My brother Sal was there. And she was like, could you guys put this together? My brother Sal is an electrician. Lou does other stuff. And I'm a pastor, but we're all men. We're like, no problem at all. Take the thing out of the box. You know, here's screws, here's, get a screwdriver, get this. Sal's like, okay, I got it, I got nothing. And now we're trying to get this together. And we're, it's not working, you know. We're, we're just trying to get this whole stupid thing together. And, and, and then there's like things left over. I think it's done. Well, well what's this for? Why is this? And Nancy's there with the directions. It's like, why don't you guys just read the directions? We had to take the whole thing apart and put it all back together again. Sometimes the directions matter, don't they? They help us. Since the fall, as we wrap this up, there's been a dispute about God's character. Started with the big lie. Lucifer introducing this sinister element of distrust. That's why I believe uh, all through the Bibles, as you read about some of these uh, great men and women of God, you hear this one sentence over and over again. And it's factually found in Psalm 23, for his name's sake. You and I get the privilege to defend God. Isn't that awesome? See, God never gave us the law, the Ten Commandments, to overwhelm us or control us. He gave them to give us hope. It is our rebellious spirit that sees it in a different way. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, 17 and 18 says, don't, this is Jesus speaking. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their what? Purpose. I love this translation. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until what? Its purpose is achieved. Well, what is that purpose? What is God trying to accomplish? What is he trying to do? 
Well, we find out in Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 10 verse 16. It says, this is the new covenant. I will make with my people on that day. And this is actually, the author of Hebrews is actually quoting Jeremiah. Says the Lord, I will what? Put my laws where? In their hearts. That's the purpose. And I will write them on their minds. In other words, what God is trying to do is to take those laws that, that he etched in on those tablets of stones and etch them in our hearts. God? <laughs> One more verse. I'm actually going to read this one from the voice because I love the way it puts it. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, you are the living letter of the anointed one. Do you believe that? You are the living letter of the anointed one, the liberating king, nurtured by us and inscribed not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. A letter too passionate to be chiseled onto stone tablets but emblazoned upon the human heart. See, those laws are a reflector of God's character that God wants to write on our hearts so that we reflect God's character, so that when people see us, they read God. Does that make sense? And we have this awesome privilege. Doing our deep dive in the steps to Christ and it's something I used to do with my students all the time. I used to put up this, this thing on the, on the screen. It was words that Jesus wrote. And I'm just going to say them very uh, monotone to prove a point so that you could just understand the words. The words, I think you've read them before. If you, you'll keep my commandments. Have you ever read this before? John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I used to have this kind of fun time with them. I would say, go ahead and read that out loud for me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, I don't know if that's the way Jesus said it. Can, can you try again? If you keep my commandments, that means you love me? I want you to say it exactly the way it's written. I just did. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I said, no, no. The way you're saying it sounds like you're saying that the way to prove to God that you love him is by keeping the commandments. Yeah. No! You don't have to prove anything to God, by the way. God knows everything about you. And they would look at me like you're looking at me right now. And then I would read it to them. And I would say, I have an advantage. I'm Italian. I'm very expressive. And we would go, by the way, we would do this for like 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then I read it to them, the way I believe Jesus said it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, the natural result of falling in love with Jesus will be this life lived that reflects his character. 
Now, some people sit there thinking, you're really cheapening God and his, no, 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 let me just tell you right now, because this is why I believe, I think it's a lot easier to have a checklist than to fall in love with God. It's a lot easier to say, tell me what to do, what not to do, so I can just do it and not do it, and then that's it, and I'm good. Then you, you can let me into heaven. It's a lot harder to develop this relationship with the living God. Because let me just tell you something about this God. He will turn your life, your upside-down life, right side up. He will ruin your mojo, man. Let me tell you, God, once he gets involved, it, this is not an easy thing, but it is the best life that you could ever live. So Jesus is like, don't devote your time on trying to keep the law. Spend your time with, with me and let me write the law on your heart. May God's character be engraved in our hearts. So I invite you all to come right now. Not physically, but, but with your hearts and minds to the altar. With all our brokenness, with all our challenges. And let God do his work. Amen?